Amen. Man, aren't you just so good with those words? You can go ahead and take your seat. Go, aren't you just so thankful for those, those words that I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. Man, it is so, so good. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, Christmas is almost here. Hopefully you got me something good. I hit a reality on uh, Saturday that I placed an order and I don't think it will be here by Christmas. Amazon two-day delivery really isn't much of an option right now. It is that close. It is upon us. And if you notice in your seats, um, we just want to continue to invite you out to to next Sunday. It's going to be our Christmas service at 10 and 1130. It's the same times and we are just so excited for what God is going to do on that day. And we hope to see you and your family and your friends here with us. But if you're joining us today for the very first time, we're here in this series called Holy Moments, where we believe that if you look through the course of your life, that a life isn't necessarily measured in time, but a life is measured in moments. And today, what we want to really kind of set the stage is that you never know how God may use a moment to change someone's life. That how God may use you, use one moment in your life to change someone else's life. Let's begin with just a little bit of a history lesson today. I want to take you back about 2,000 years to this proclamation that a child has been born. That a child has been born about 2,000 years ago. And these are the words that were written about this child. There was an inscription on some stone that proclaimed this about the child that was born. Let's read this together. It says, The providence which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life has set in most perfect over by giving us him filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind sending him as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and create peace everywhere. And then they conclude with this, since the birthday of the God was the beginning of the good tidings or good news for the world that he has come to men through him. Now, there may be some words in here that you're like, those resonate. Those even sound very familiar, but I want to just step into this moment and say this is actually not about Jesus. This is not about Jesus's birth, but it's actually about the birth of Caesar Augustus. You go back in time over 2,000 years ago to about 9 BC to where you see his birth has come forth, and this is what he proclaims. To take it a little bit further, to sum up everything, that Caesar Augustus says that he will bring forth a kingdom, that there is a kingdom here. We proclaim the second truth that what you would see is that there's this kingdom, the arrival of a kingdom, a savior, and this savior, Caesar Augustus, will bring war to an end and usher in a time of peace so that all the people of the world who surrendered and pledged allegiances to his kingship, to his authority, would be granted salvation from destruction. Now, spoiler alert, that this is actually the Christmas story that we step into is at the height of the Roman Empire. Is at the height of the Roman Empire. They even have proclaimed this thing. It's called the Pax Romana, where the peace of Rome has come. 
and that all of the world will be beneficiaries of this peace. And that last part is a little bit of a catch. You see, Rome, how did they get to such great power and authority? It was through tyranny and cruelty that you would actually find peace only through submission. And really that submission was even played out to, if you're looking at the Jewish context of the, of the Christmas story, that the Jews, what did their Pax Romana look for them? It was heavy taxation, heavy taxation to where they weren't free. They didn't have peace per se. Peace, according to Rome, was you're alive, but you are taxed. And then everything that you earn will be taxed so heavily you may not even be able to live. Does that sound like peace to all the world, to all people? According to Rome, it was. But as we've seen, this is a false, false hope that there is not a chance that everyone experiences proclaimed hope. And there's a philosopher during this time, he makes this quote about the peace that Rome proclaimed, about the hope that Rome had to just step into it. So while the emperor being those over Rome. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which, men, for which man yearns more than even outward peace. You see, the Pax Romana, the proclamation of this birth of Caesar Augusta was a political slogan, was a political statement, but not a current reality. Sure, did some experience peace? Absolutely. Absolutely they did, but not all. And then what's even more interesting is that it was good news for a few, but it ultimately then came to an end. Around the 400 AD mark, during that year 400, you see the Roman Empire falls. And if you were going to Rome to this day, you will see the remnants of the kingdom that was, not the kingdom that is. His kingdom has ultimately come to an end. The promise of peace has ultimately come to an end and was not fully fulfilled to all the world. Now, if you step into our lives, into this moment, there is something that the world craves. Every kingdom since the beginning of time has brought about this promise of peace. It is as if it's a human nature, a human desire with each and every single one of us here in this room. What we crave is peace in our lives, not only in the outward form, but an inner peace that surpasses all understanding. And kingdom after kingdom after kingdom has proclaimed that they are going to bring about peace, but it always comes to an end. In our culture today, you can think of many, many different ways of which peace has been proclaimed. It normally doesn't come in the form of a king or of a kingdom, but our culture proclaims, hey, this is good news for you because it will bring peace for your life. You can imagine maybe today you have believed that, the, that, that your materialism, that your wealth, that that would ultimately bring you peace. But what happens whenever you get everything that you could ever hope for? You still want more, right? What does a millionaire want? A million more. It is the same thing that's true in our life. We can sense within us that there's maybe this call to perfectionism, that you believe that what will ultimately bring you peace is to live a life so perfect and so in order of how you see it, that that will ultimately bring you peace. But we realize perfectionism is never even possible. Or maybe it's the gratification that you want to receive from others that will bring you peace, that people will see you, recognize you, and that will bring you peace. 
Or if you're like me, if you have seen the Lego movie, there's this song that is like so annoying, but is like perfect reality of my life. That's just like, everything is awesome. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's like this belief within us that like, hey, everything is awesome. And what we're really saying is that it's like this false piece. We just push and bury the negative. You know what I mean? This escapism is almost like the false piece that I live throughout my life. That everything is just awesome. Let's not look at the bad things that happen. But then we see really and truly there is within us these desires to be fulfilled. And we will look at all sorts of different ways and we will look at all sorts of different things to bring that about in our life. For the Jewish people, they heard this Pax Romana. They heard this proclamation that a Savior had been born, but yet they were not experiencing what he had promised. And the world that we are going to step into will continue to be one that is craving, that this Jewish people is craving the peace of God to come upon their lives. Will there be somebody that will bring forth true peace? Well, enter in to the Christmas story, to where we see another child is born and another promise of peace has come. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, if you're looking for a place to spend this Christmas, actually read the Christmas story, this is where you need to go. Just begin Luke chapter 2, you'll see his birth, the proclamations, and we're going to see today this incredible promise of peace. Let's read this together. Beginning in verse 8, it says, And in the same reason there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. Another child, as we see in Luke 2, has been born, another proclamation of peace. But let's kind of dissect this just a little bit. Let's look at really what's happening, who is being spoken to, and what is being spoken. What does this proclamation look like? Who is this being spoken to? Well, the first thing we want to bring to life is that this message is very different from Caesar Augustus in who it is proclaimed to. Who is the message first given to? the lowly shepherds. You see, Caesar Augustus, his first proclamation of his birth would have been held only for the elites, for the royals of the day. But we see God's message of peace. Who does it first come to? The shepherds. Now the shepherds, what was their role? Their role was to care for the lambs, care for the sheep. And we actually find they were even caring for them by night. Well, there's a really cool connection that we could step into. What were the point of these lambs? What was the purpose of the lambs that they were caring for? Some begin to uh, articulate and see that they actually were the shepherds caring for the temple lambs. The temple lambs were without blemish. They were perfect and needed just delicate, delicate care because they were the ones that would ultimately be sacrificed for the sins of the people during that time. This was the process of Judaism. But there's something very unique about the shepherds is that they were very dirty. 
Can you imagine like working out, like we may be farmers or some of you may be, I'm not a farmer. We are not farmer. Like I'm not a farmer, but you may be a farmer, right? And even during this time, you don't just live out there with your animals. You have different pens and places of which to put them. You have land in which they can graze. You just care for the flock. But these shepherds, you imagine, they are so unclean. And this would made it part of their profession. It was despised. It was not one in which you hoped your son would grow up to become. They were social outcasts, despised by the culture, not highly favored. But how does God then bring about this message? This is so unique. He doesn't use men to proclaim this message first. He uses angels. That God, that this message is so powerful, so impactful, that how does he connect it to his people? He sings an angel. Now, I don't know about you, I've never had an angelic experience. I can imagine it would be quite wild and it would probably be quite fearful. I'd be like, what in the world is happening? But God uses this message, these messengers, to those that will receive it in very, very unusual ways. We talked last week that God works in uncommon and unusual ways throughout all of our lives. We use this word preternatural, that it is not how we would expect it to come to life. And the text is happening in the very same way. This is something unique. This is something very, very different. And not only was how he shared the message, but what they shared was also similar, but then very unique. The first one, what is the message that they say here? Well, they proclaim good news, good news. Where is this same word used? It's used in Caesar's, Caesar Augustus and that inscription that we read. They said good tidings. The Greek for that word is euangelion. And euangelion is being used here. What does it mean? Good news. We would see the word as gospel. Euangelion is the gospel. What they believe Caesar Augustus to be his birth was the gospel, the good news that has come to all people. But here Luke uses the same words. No, no, no. I bring good news. The angels are bringing good news. And what does this news look like? What does this mean? Is that it will bring great joy. Great joy. Joy is like that, not happiness, not circumstantial, but joy is unending no matter what the circumstances may be. That type of joy comes into your life that it'll be good news of great joy, but this is where it gets completely and totally unique. Who is this for? All people, all people. What does all mean? It means all, all people that God, through Jesus, he brings about his salvation, not for a few, that his good news is not for a few, just like the Romans were, or to those that had this special treatment or this special place or this special honor. No, it is for all people. And we see the shepherds here being, being used as the example of this. The outcasts, the far off, the despised. These are the ones that God comes to save, that this good news comes to, to all people. That is if God's mercy has fallen on the entire world, unto the entire cosmos. So this good news, setting it up, bring about joy to all people. Well, well, when does it become fulfilled? This part is so powerful. It says, unto you this day, a savior has been, been born. When does this message become a reality? Today, today. It says, shepherds, today the savior has been born. You see, all throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, 
is that what is proclaimed, it is the promises of God. You see prophecy after prophecy of his word or of him sending a messenger or sending a Messiah. This is very unique because this is one of the first proclamations of angels of not what will be, but what has come to be. Why does this mean so much is because peace, this good news, this joy that he is speaking about is not for a future, but is for today. It is for today. It's to be experienced today. And so this day, what is the ultimate message? What is it that's going to bring good news to these shepherds, to bring good news to all people? Three things, three titles around one person that a Savior, the Christ, the Lord has been born. If you are a Jewish boy in this time and you hear these three words, you know exactly what this means. You see, all throughout history, all throughout the Old Testament, these shepherds would have heard of the promise of the Messiah, of the Savior, of the Lord. And let's just look at those a little bit closer. You see, whenever you hear the word Savior, probably what immediately comes to your mind is that you have been saved from your sins. That is the cultural moment. That is what continues to happen. Well, I want to bring new life to it. Savior uses a very powerful word, deliverer, deliverer. Here's what's incredible. Savior, or if you point it in your sins, it's as if you have continually done something wrong and that is what he has saved you from. Deliverer puts it in a new light that God has seen you in your bondage, that God has seen you in the consummation of the sin that this world has been, and he has sent his son to deliver you, to offer you deliverance from that of which has held you captive and in bondage. Those two words, Savior, Deliverer, has incredible, incredible, powerful for you and for me today. If you see him as a deliverer, it may change your perspective for how he has come into your life. Because more than likely, whatever bondage you may be in today, you don't want to be in that bondage. And whatever sin you may be caught in today, you don't want to be caught up in that sin, but yet you are still struggling within you to find how in the world can I have freedom from this? How in the world can, among this bondage can I really experience freedom? Can I really experience peace? And he says, I am sending my deliverer that will deliver you from these things, that will break these bondages. And this one, not only will he be a deliverer, but he is the Messiah. Messiah has a huge word all throughout history. It's the anointed one. The anointed one, as if God has chosen to bring about his fulfillment and promises through this one. All throughout Isaiah, we see the prophecy spoken of the one that will come to be the Savior, the deliverer of all people. Not momentary either, but for, for all time. This Messiah, they would have known this word, the anointed one. And then why is this so powerful? Is because who this birth is, he is Lord. What does Lord mean? All authority has been given to this child that has been born. Now, here's what's very, very interesting. Is that doesn't this language sound this similar or the same as what we read before? Doesn't this language sound so, so alike to what was proclaimed over Caesar Augustus. But there's a, there's a finishing point here on the end that I think is so important. You see, what is this good news? What is happening here? Well, this good news, it comes to the shepherds, but then all of a sudden it makes that proclamation that the Savior, Christ, Lord, has been born. And then all of a sudden a heavenly host appears. 
a heavenly host. No idea what that looks like. No idea what that may be. Let's just imagine for a moment it's thousands. Let's just imagine for a moment, I mean, that this whole countryside has been filled with angels because what they are saying is glory to God in the highest. What does that mean? Glory to God that he has brought, or all praise and worship to the God that has brought forth his promise, his fulfillment, who has brought forth the Savior, the Christ and Lord to all people. It is through God that this has come to be. Praise God for that. And then the angels understand and they resonate. Not only is he good, is he gracious, is he merciful, worthy of all praise, but for earth, what does this mean for his creation? What does this mean for his people? That you will get to experience peace on earth today. And within all this, it brings them so, so much joy that we see this breakout in praise and worship and song that this is all happening. I cannot imagine what it must have been like for the shepherds to see this and to hear this. Once again, to hear promises spoken and to be the recipients of it. Can you imagine feeling so unworthy to receive this and then even to fear the fear of what is happening here? But if we step into the moment and I want to step into your life is I want us to ask this question. If we have heard good news over the course of our lives, if we have heard good news proclaimed that will promise peace, then how can I trust this message when so many others have let me down? The shepherds in this time may have been asking the same question. I have heard this same message before. I've heard this message that peace will come, but yet it has never come. I've heard of this deliverance of God, but never fully experienced it. You see, this connection with us is that how can you trust today this good news that has come to us today? How can you trust this when so many times in your life you have been let down by good news? That what you thought would bring you peace has not. How can you trust this message? This was my great wrestling last night as I began to, to think about you and think about my own life. Why is it that we can trust this message? And please, over the next few moments, as I struggle to articulate this, hopefully I can make it clear. I can bring to life just maybe what the shepherds were experiencing and what we have been so lucky enough to see over the course of time is that every other message, number one, every other message didn't fulfill what it promised. Every other message, see, they get it, they get it. Every other message, aren't you just so happy? We always take a little time out, right? And I know you're thinking like, man, this is like crazy times in here sometimes. Yes, it is. Um, but man, how cool is it to like hear kids having fun, learn about Jesus, you know, that's what we're about here. Um, pray you that God continues to guard our heart and guard our ears so we continue to, to hear his word, but man, what joyful sound that that is. But every message, every other message didn't fulfill what it promised. Let me just connect this with the shepherds. Number one, did the Roman, did the Roman inscription that we read bring peace to them? No, no. It promised that it would, but it didn't. And you think about your own life, what have you stepped into that you thought would bring fulfillment of this peace, but didn't? And if you look over the course of time, this is where we get the incredible gift, is that we can see that every single kingdom over the course of time, this promise of peace has not come to pass. 
Every emperor, every kingdom that has stepped forth to make the same proclamation, their peace has come to an end. Their rule and reign has come to an end. But here's where we get the incredible gift and why I think that this message can be trusted, that why we can step in and believe this message is because God's message of, of peace, that his message of good news, that his message of joy is still alive and real today. Think about that. You are here today because the message is true. 2,000 years later, the same message that was proclaimed to the shepherds has continued over the course of time to be true. His rule, his reign has not come to an end. His message has never landed on deaf ears. It has never become void. It has never become absence through persecution, through trials, through new reigns and new rules, the kingdom of God has continued to move. And here's what you maybe know to be true in your life because I know it to be true in my life. The peace that he has promised, the joy that he has promised, I have experienced it 2,000 years later. So when you ask, how can you trust this? You tell me what other message has been true for over 2,000 years. What other message has reigned true in the same way? What has the world promised you, but yet has let you down over and over again? This is the one message, my friend, that has continued to reign true. The second one I want to share with you, how can we trust this message? Well, the shepherds were given some very, very, very wild, wild details, signs and wonders. As we sang in our second song, I see signs and I see wonders. What are these signs and these wonders? Well, the sign number one, could you imagine like seeing an angel? That's a pretty big sign. Can you imagine hearing the heavenly host? That's a pretty big sign. They were given these signs, but also through the, through the message, they said, you will find a child. This king that we were promised, you're going to find him not in the palace because that's not who I am. You're actually going to find him in a small town of Bethlehem, right where you are. And you're going to find him wrapped, not, not in purple robes of great glory and honor, but actually just in, in a cloth. And there was no room for him to be born in a proper place. He's actually born here outside in a manger. And this is where you're going to find him. What an incredible sign. What an incredibly doubtful sign. You're telling me the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord is born in this way? Yes. And so they're given this sign. If we want to continue on, we'll get to that in just a second. We'll see that they, that they go and they see and they find it to be true. That what was proclaimed, what was promised is true. I can look all around this room and I can see the signs and wonders of God. Over the course of the past Year, I have got to hear so many of your stories. I've got to hear how God's grace and peace has come into your life. I've got to hear where you once were, but now where you are. That to myself, friends, that is incredible signs, and it leaves the whole world wondering. Like if you remember who you once were, and you come up to somebody with incredible grace and mercy and love that God has bestowed on you, and you are now portraying on them, they're going to be like, man, what happened to you? They're going to begin to wonder, how did you get peace? How are you where you are? Because I remember where we were together. What happened? Begins as a wonder. And so God continually, how can you trust this message? Because the signs of wonders that aren't so distant, that aren't these 
what we would see is these miraculous signs of angel appearances, but the, the everyday lives of those who have experienced God's goodness and mercy on their life. But the last one I want to share with you, how do we know? How do we know this to be true? How can we trust this? Is because if you step with faith, like, the, like the, we're going to see those shepherds do, is that the good news will become evident in your lives. There will begin to see evidence that this is true. We continue on in Luke, verse 15. Continues on, it says, When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Imagine telling Mary and Joseph, say, oh, you would not believe what we just seen. We would not believe. We just had like the heavens open. We had angels actually come and proclaim this. And then now they're looking at this truth. They're looking at the reality of what has been spoken, that it is true. And they share this with Mary and Joseph. And they made know this saying, it says in 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told him. But Mary didn't wonder. She treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and for all that had been told to them. You see, most of the time, how can we trust or believe this message when so many others have let me down? Each and every single time that we hear a message of good news, the shepherd's response has to be ours. The shepherd's response has to be ours. It says they heard about what was spoken. They heard about the signs and wonders. And then here's what it says. They went with haste to see, if you would imagine their natural inclinations, to see if what was spoken is really true. Each and every single one of us, as we hear the good news, that what is the appropriate response? It takes a step of faith. It takes a step of faith to see if it's true. It takes a step of faith. And you could imagine that they had never heard a message like this before. They had, didn't know. They were, they were the first ones. And so it says they went with haste and they go all throughout Bethlehem seeking and searching and they know exactly what to look for because they've seen it multiple times before. They're shepherds. They know what a manger looks like. They understand the context of what they, the sign had been spoken. They're searching and they're seeking and then they find it to be true. That's the moment in your life where it becomes evident where you take a step of faith and then you begin to see that it's true that maybe you take a step away from the addiction and then you begin to find that that was truly bondage and now that there actually is freedom in who Jesus is and what he has done. That you can step away from your anger, that you can step away from the anxiety and the depression that has entrapped you and stepped you into bondage and say, God, if you are really are good news, if you really do bring forth joy, then God, I wanna just take a step of faith towards you. And here's what I've seen over and over again in the lives of those that are willing to take a step of faith is that it becomes true in their lives. It becomes true in their lives. It becomes evident then in who they are. I got a good friend sitting here in the front row. His name's Matt Yates. 
Matt, I was praying to God that you would be here today. I don't normally tell you if you're going to be a part of a sermon illustration. It's my fault, and I apologize, Matt. But I can still remember the day that Matt Yates came into our church, and he met me right there in the middle of the aisle. And Matt, you could see the brokenness in his life. You could see the struggles in his life. But when he came to me, he said, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be angry anymore. And you can imagine how much that can resonate with so many of us, right? I don't want to feel this anger anymore. And so we just begin to pray, didn't we, Matt? We just get him to pray right here in this aisle. And what we got to experience with Matt over the course of just the next few weeks is that you really got to see that anger turn into joy. That he began to see that anger really turn into peace in his life. And if you ask Matt where he is today, there's probably been multiple moments in his life where he's like, I still get pretty angry. Or there's times where the anger can begin to entrap him or he'll start to step into my remind him that like, no, 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 you really aren't free. But each and every time that we get to see each other, and each and every time that we get to be together, it is this proclamation over Matt that that was what, where he was, that that is no longer who he is, that God has set him free, that now he can experience joy and peace in his life. But I wanna ask you a couple questions. What if Matt would have hesitated? What if you and your moment of need, what if you would have hesitated? What if you wouldn't have taken the step of faith? What if the shepherds wouldn't have taken a step of faith? If it was for the shepherds, they would have been left with this question of what could be. Could it really have been true? They would have always wondered throughout the course of their life, was it really true if they would have just hesitated and not, not followed through, not went to see if this peace and joy has really come into the world? This Messiah and Savior is real, is true. You see, oftentimes in our life, it's this hesitation that gets us. Even for you today, you may be hearing the good news for the first time, or it may be coming to life in a new way for you for the very first time that you haven't heard it. And right now, everything in you wants to hesitate. Everything in you wants to question and doubt and disbelief whether or not all this can be true or if this peace can really be had. Within our lives, this is where we live, but we see the example. What happens if you hesitate ultimately? Nothing, nothing. And maybe somebody could share that there's another insight that I don't see, but it was like most of the time, what happens if you hesitate? Nothing. Imagine. Imagine your life, those moments where God may be using you. What happens if you hesitate? Nothing. But what happened when the shepherds were bold enough to take that step of faith? What happened in their life? What happens in your life when you take these steps of boldness is that you get to see God move in some incredible, incredible ways. And many of you know this to be true, that those moments of faith, those moments of boldness, if you're like the shepherds, you get to see the Messiah. You get to see what was promised has really come true. And here's what I wanna proclaim to you today, that what happens when you see yourself take these steps of boldness, you see good news is experienced in your life. Throughout all of the gospels, here's what we see for those who take bold steps of faith, that the good news is experienced, that the lost is found, 
that the blind are healed, that the deaf hear, that the dead come back to life, that the chains of addiction are broken, that you are free from, from depression, that you find restoration and you find your life forever, forever changed because of this incredible, incredible good news that has come to you today. And so as we come to a close, this is my prayer for you today. Number one, that you would not hesitate, but that you would step into this good news with a boldness, with a faith of what could be. Could it really be true? And to see your life then step into that. Maybe that's you today. You've hesitated long enough, take a step. You've hesitated long enough. Take a step of faith towards him. See if his goodness, see if his joy, see if the good news is true. See if it's true today. And the second thing I wanna just spend some time here connecting with you is that, is that if it is true for you, or if it has been true for you, then what's our response? Towards the end of our passage there, we get to see what I think that many of us have been missing, or maybe just to challenge each of us today, is that what was the shepherd's response? Listen, they went throughout all of Bethlehem telling everything that they had heard and everything that they had seen. Everything that they had heard and everything that they had seen, it'd be like us going from today, going around all of grace and proclaiming the good news that the angels proclaimed and then, man, I have seen it. I have seen it. Can you imagine going around all of Grayson and just sharing that with people? Well, you can imagine what was the life for the shepherds? They weren't trusted, they were outcasts. There were many, many crazy looks. There were many, many thoughts that maybe went against them, but did they care? No, because here's what you begin to find that those that truly experience the good news of Jesus what happens is it becomes our very nature, that it becomes the thing of which we can't help but share. It becomes then who we are. And as if this good news is just welling up within us that we gotta tell everyone we meet of this incredible, incredible hope. I shared with this last service, listen, over the past little bit, man, I've been making a lot of bread, a ton of bread, like homemade bread, I love it. I love to cook, love to bake. That tells you a little bit about your pastor. And here's what's been crazy. I must have told 20 people. I was like, hey, did you know how easy it is to make bread? And everybody looks at me like, Aaron, what are we talking about? Like, where are we going with this? It's like, you're making bread. Yes, it's so good. It is so good. It'll change your life. You've heard that it's difficult, that it's hard. No, it's actually really, really easy. I must have told 20 people about just how good a piece of bread could be in your life. It's crazy, right? And as we step into this moment, we just wanna challenge you today to think about the incredible good news that has stepped into your life and just challenge you, man, what could, what could happen today if you stepped out in boldness to share this incredible good news that's just welling up within you with somebody that you know today, to a friend, to a family member, to a coworker? You see, we are standing here today because of the boldness of all those who have gone before us that couldn't help but share the incredible good news of what Jesus is or who he is and what he has done for us. And today I wanna to challenge you where we began is that God today, our last point, 
is that you never know how God can use one moment in your life to change someone else's life. That you never know how God may use one moment of boldness to change someone else's life. This is our call today as we come to a close, is that this peace that you've experienced, that this good news is not something to be held within, but is something to be shared. Something that we believe will go forth and will literally change people's lives. But in the same way that you stepped into your faith, will you continue to step into that, that continual call? To step into the moments where God may use you to share his good news that we believe will change someone's life. Over the next week, we have a Christmas service. And let me tell you, you have some invites in your chair is that you may even see that throughout the next week, you never know how one invitation may change someone's life. Over the next week, you're gonna have opportunities to do good for those who have needs. And you never know how one act of kindness may change someone's life. You never know how one prayer over the next week may change someone's life. And so here's why I just wanna encourage you as we come to a close today, would you just step into those moments that God creates? And may God use you in those moments of boldness to bring about his good news to those who are craving his joy and his peace. Would you pray with me today as we come to a close? I just wanna encourage you today, as we open up God's word, we see the shepherds announcement to them and we see how they responded. We see that they found it to be true. They see this incredible faith that they have. And then this, this proclamation that they make that he really is who he says he is. Number one today, if you came in seeking good news, if you came in today hunger for joy and for peace to come into your lives, we just wanna pause for a moment and proclaim, this is the good news that we not only believe, but have experienced has become evident in our lives, that his joy and peace is real and that you can receive it today. And the second thing we wanna challenge you with is that God continues to use ordinary people to bring about the extraordinary. And today I believe that over the next few days and weeks to come, that God wants to use you to bring about good news for someone else. And so there's two challenges we set on the table. And at the end of service, we're gonna have a prayer team. I wanna challenge you to do either one of two things. Number one, if you want to make that decision of faith today, I encourage you to come forward with boldness today. Don't hesitate, come forth and our prayer team will pray over you, encourage you and walk out what this means for you for the rest of your life, what this good news truly is and what it means. But the second one today, if you have a family member or a friend that you just want to have prayer over, that you want us praying over that over the next week that, that God either may use you or someone else to bring about good news. Would you just come forward and we just wanna pray that God would do the miraculous this week. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, as we step into Christmas to get to hear good news. And Lord, I pray that today all throughout this building that we would just come to trust and believe this incredible good news, that it would become evident in our life, this joy and peace that we are all so craving. 
that we would begin to silence the cries of the world of peace or the promises of the world of peace and we would be able to step in true peace with you. God, may we not hesitate today, but may we walk in boldness, Lord, as you move and as you lead and as you guide. Lord, thank you for being with us today in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.